read a saint book. Not even when a buxom trauma clinic nurse wedged my foot into her cleavage, leaned forward and bent it back to its normal position so that she could encase it in plaster. You would have thought that should have guaranteed some sort of epiphany, but no. And I really should have called on the saint to divert me, especially when he had always been part of my life, let alone my reading list. One of my earliest memories is of starting to peel the red saint sticker off the bonnet of my corgi model Volvo P1800, and then thinking the better of it and leaving the sticker in place. I showed no such mercy to the figures in my chitty-chitty bang-bang model. They were soon decapitated. Poor old Caractacus Potts. Of course, my introduction to the saint was via the ITC TV show starring Roger Moore, The appearance of the saint in each first scene accompanied by the manifestation of his halo held me in an almost hypnotic thrall. If entire episodes had been comprised of variations on that first scene, I'd have been perfectly happy. The saint, like Ellery Queen, is a character comfortable with breaking the fourth wall, that same partition I was trying to kick down earlier, and frequently did so in those introductory sequences. Being directly addressed by a character in narrative possibly has a powerful effect on impressionable minds. On me, at least. The effect was that I regarded the episodes as more than just stories. The TV set had become a window through which I was simply observing events in Simon Templar's life. So, when I finally step out of your way and let you loose on these marvellous tales, do keep in mind that while nothing ordinary happens to the saint— These extraordinary narratives are firmly rooted in our real world. If you only know the saint from TV, then the topless mud-wrestling and live sex shows of the helpful pirate may come as something of a surprise. The story may even seem daring for its time, just a couple of years after the Lady Chatterley trial. The Contric perpetrated in this story may strike you as unlikely, but it is modest in its scope and execution when compared to one that I'm aware of from my personal experience as a former junior functionary of the Serious Fraud Office. In the real world, two German conmen rented former bank office premises in a West Country resort and purported to be a branch of a fictional German bank. They even had a working bureau de change in the lobby. They then took advance fees of many tens of thousands of pounds to process applications for loans, loans that would, of course, never materialise. The unfortunate victims were simply given worthless banking instruments, albeit with face values of millions, that had been cobbled together and laminated in the upstairs office. Mr. Charteris could undoubtedly have spun these events into a superb yarn, Might I suggest that The Counterfeit Bank would be a suitably saintly title? The understandably grumpy rhino from The Bigger Game reminds me of a rhino I once saw in a safari park. The tractor vehicle, which I at first thought just happened to be cutting the grass in front of the rhino, wasn't fitted with a grass cutter at all, but rather with a concrete weight. Its purpose, to interpose itself between the tourists in their cars, and the rhino, if it decided to charge. The rather callow youth in the cab of the tractor had on his face a strange mixture of boredom and concentration. Our lives were in his hands. I hope he was being motivated and rewarded by more than just the minimum wage. The joker in the pack in this collection of tales is The Intemperate Reformer.
a wonderfully comedic collision of the saints' world with the schemes of a very minor league bad guy who would not be out of place in a P.G. Woodhouse story. Nevertheless, I ached for his comeuppance and for civilization to be rid of the appalling soft drink that he was peddling. This story nicely evokes the bygone era of the British licensing laws, the purpose of which always seemed to be to deny you of an alcoholic beverage just when you most seemed to need or deserve one. Normally, after 10.30pm on a Sunday, if I recall correctly, it could be very frustrating. Now, I don't plan to tell you all about the stories in this book in the same way that I don't intend to break into your home and open all your Christmas presents. It just wouldn't be right. But I'll tell you that the final story in this volume is the one that means the most to me. It is The Convenient Monster. I went looking for the Loch Ness Monster when I was eleven years old. It's tough to crack the mystery of Loch Ness while under close parental supervision, but I did my best. I met Monster...